Welcome to the Game Art Co podcast. I'm with Alfred Chiampong, and he's a freelance 2D character designer and visual development artist. Welcome, Alfred. Welcome. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me on. Can you give us an overview of your background as a freelance character artist? Okay, so I've been working as a character designer for a while now. I think um, it's more recently that most of the work I've been doing is professional. But then I guess prior to that, it was more grinding in the shadows and basically just trying to, in a sense, um, perfect the craft, even though I wouldn't say I've reached that point yet. Uh, as a character designer, basically what I do is create characters for shows, movies, um, things that basically um, form the entertainment industry. So pretty much that's it. What initially inspired you to kind of get involved with um, well, your kind of path to be a digital artist? I think uh, as a kid, I mean, as far back as I can remember, I've always kind of had the gift. I've always been able to draw. So um, I think the passion has always been there. When I was younger, I didn't think it would be my main career path because um, in our part of the world, that being Ghana, which is where I'm from, yeah. art is not as popular as in other parts of the world, like in the West and in the East. So um, in terms of it being a career path, it was very difficult to think of that being a main career path for me. But what happened down the line was eventually I was in uh, business school. I, I actually went to business school. Um, and the plan was to go into banking and finance. But I was in business school. And then my best friend, uh, Kofi Ofosu, who is on Instagram as well, amazing artist. He's the one who finally stumbled on the whole concept art industry. And then he's like, no, bro, like you totally have to come back into the arts game. Like it's, it's a lot bigger than we thought it was. I mean, I've been doing a lot of research and I'm discovering so many amazing things about it. And I got roped in immediately. And from that point on, I knew that I definitely wanted to pursue character design and, and just explore more to find out where it would take me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's really good that you have that, um, that business background or business studies because yeah. I think a lot of artists, it really benefits, doesn't it, you to have that? Yeah, definitely it does, especially when it comes to, you know, contracts, negotiation, you know, for a price. You, you definitely want to understand the industry and having that business background goes a long way to help. And I think it's definitely something that more artists need to focus on not just on the craft, but then looking at the business side of things when it comes to charging, how much you should charge, how it affects you as an artist. Yeah, and definitely the legal aspect of it as well. So yeah, the business part is, is very crucial. How popular would you say that digital art now is in Ghana? I still don't think it's close to being mainstream yet. I think it's, it's basically still teeth in because the the larger majority do not look at art as a main career path still it's it's more regarded as something more of a hobby so yeah. most of the time the narrative is oh this is something you do as a hobby but not something you do as a full-time career like the way you'd have an eight to five working in a bank or being a lawyer an engineer something along those lines so i think it's it's still in its infancy if i'll be honest about it but, but slowly, their strides being made. I think there are more people who are willing to invest themselves and find out more about it. And I think also we live in a world now where I think um, certain conservative mindsets are being broken. So then people are becoming more open about these kind of um, diverse career paths, like someone growing up and saying, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. Like we have so many of those happening now. And so I think yeah. slowly but surely, like, we're making strides and, and, it's, and it's becoming more and more popular. But then I wouldn't say it's still there yet. 
In your opinion, um, what what are the core ingredients of like a, a good character design? To start with, I would say whoever is interested in the craft should first have mastery of their fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you ever stop learning, but then always revisiting the fundamentals. It helps you to get an understanding of things like anatomy. You're looking at form, shapes, and then you get better understanding of how you can, in a sense, bend the rules so that they make your character design more appealing. So I think that would be the first standpoint, if anything. But then after you move past your fundamentals, and I mean, the fundamentals really encompasses everything. So under fundamentals, you're still looking at your color theory and all those elements. So I think once you have a grasp of that, you're pretty good to go. And then from that point, I think you can then specialize into which way you want your character design to go. As in, are you looking at um, working on projects that have a more realistic style, projects that are more playful, like things that your Disney's and your Pixar's will create? Like once you have a strong fundamental, it's easier to, to find out exactly where you want to focus or narrow down and then just continue to pivot from that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think, I think for the core ingredients, you strengthen your fundamentals for character design. And then from that point on, it's easier to just decide, okay, I want to add this. I want to add this. I want to change this. How many uh, years roughly did you, um, did you think it took you before you were confident mm-hmm. to actually take freelance jobs to build up the fundamentals? Being, being self-taught, I think it just puts you in a position where you kind of have to have the confidence from the start because in a sense, that's the way you're going to survive in the industry. Because, you know, you don't, you don't have the kind of system where someone who goes to art school is constantly getting that confidence reinforced by their lecturers or their teachers to let them know that, okay, so then I'm doing the right thing. So in a sense, it's almost more like winging it, especially when you're self-taught. So it's, it's more like you go in there on a project mm-hmm. and then most importantly, you find out if you can meet the specifications of the client. And then once you can do that, I think then you know the confidence is built up after the client is definitely happy with what you deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then at the start of it, I think you just have to thrust yourself in. It's, it's, like, it's like one of those things where you just almost have to go in blind. Yeah, what definitely helps is also feedback from, if you're on social media, feedback from the people you interact with on social media. Because mm-hmm. typically you would post and then, from posting, you'd realize, okay, so more people are starting to follow me, more people are interested in my work. And also when you post, people comment on certain specific things. So using myself as an example, um, a lot of the jobs that I, I, I started to get going down, most of them were based on the fact that most people would comment on my color and then my shapes. So mm-hmm. they'd always be like, oh, I like the way you push shapes in this in this direction, even if you're, you're playing with this or... Even some of the, the subjects I was tackling were also the reasons I was getting jobs. So from those comments, in a sense, it gives you the idea that, okay, I'm definitely doing the right thing if people like these things that I'm actually working on. So I think that's, that's kind of how you build the confidence when you're coming from, from that place of being self-taught. But then as I was saying, if you're someone who is in art school, I think your friends, your colleagues, your teachers, they kind of give you that confidence. So you know you're on the right path and you know you're doing the right thing. Your style is, is really iconic when I look at your art station and the kind of breadth of work you have. And um, mm-hmm. I love, the, the again, like you said, your colour, shape, and also the humour mm-hmm. you add mm-hmm. to your designs quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask again, how, how did you develop your own sense of style? Because I think your style, it, it has a, a very graphic quality to it. Mm-hmm. What do you think mm-hmm. has helped you kind of develop that? 
Um, I think it's because of where I started from, which was comics. Well, oh, originally yeah. anime. Yeah. So I started with anime. So when I was young, I fell in love with anime. I mean, yeah, sure. And from that point onwards, anime, cartoons, and then into comics. And then in comics, some of my favorite artists used to go crazy with colors. So mm-hmm. I used to constantly consume that kind of content and watch how they would play with the reds and purples and then blues and oranges and just be playing with colors all the time. So then I realized this is something that I definitely want as part of my work. And then I think, so with colors, I think that was mainly what kind of led to the path of like um, actually imbibing that into my work. So artists like Mohamed Akbari, who is an African artist in Nigeria, who is crazy with colors as well. He, he goes like, he goes through crazy lengths to push colors and make them look as appealing as they can. So I think for colors, that was the thing for me. Like the end product is always make it pop, you know, throw colors into the next thing that someone is like, oh, wow. So, so that was, that's the idea behind colors. And then I think with shapes, um, I think with shapes, that journey started when I stumbled on Max Gregg. I hope I'm saying his name right. But then, yeah, yeah he's another amazing artist as well. I love his style. So uh, I remember I bought one of his tutorials on Gumroad, studied it time and time and time again, just looking at how he used to push shapes. And then after that, I think together with the fundamentals, then you know, okay, I can push in this way. And then it makes it make, like, it makes sense when I push in this direction. If I push in this direction, it doesn't look as good. And so, yeah, it's like um, a push and pull kind of effect. So I think those were my core inspirations, aside like other artists that I love as well, Olivia Coipel. I mean, there's so many of them, I can't get into all of them right now, but then so many artists that play with color as well and do crazy things with shapes, the way they tackle shapes, Iris Moody. Um, I, I, I don't think I can think of all of them off the bat. But then a lot of the European artists as well, I really love how they push their, their shapes. Some names I can't pronounce, so I wouldn't try it. But then, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So that definitely informed my shapes and then my choice to also play with colors and, and make my work pop. What do you think, um, if you want to stand out in the market with your portfolio, say, for example, on ArtStation, uh, what mm-hmm. kind of tips would you give First of all, I think it's necessary to observe the markets and observe the industry, basically look at exactly what is happening in the industry, the kind of content being produced and what is mainstream. And then based on that, you try to find a niche that exists. So say, for example, and I remember um, listening to a podcast by Feng Zhu and he was talking about this. So that's actually what gave me the idea and realized that. And then I realized that, yeah, this is definitely something that's necessary. So say, for example, most of the games coming out, uh, apocalyptic kind of stuff, um, end of the world kind of stuff. And then because that's what all the studios are creating, let's say there's a niche that exists. And now that means there's no one making games about, say, soldiers, for instance. So then it means if a studio should come up and they're looking for someone who can create characters based on soldiers, then you can meet that niche if you realize that, oh, there's an empty space or there's a gap that I can fill. So then in a sense, by being able to do that, that already makes you unique because you're the only one who is actually creating character designs based on soldiers to begin with, basically. So yeah, I think that's one way to approach it. Another way is also to sharpen your style to the extent where basically you're you're in a sense, like you're one of the best at it. For instance, when it comes to designing medieval characters off the top of my mind, I can think of even Mel Amundsen because he does it so well. Like when it comes to 
medieval stuff, dwarfs, things like Lord of the Rings type of characters. Definitely, I would always think about him first. So I think he's he's constantly created characters along those lines where he's just mastered the craft so much. It just comes so easily to him. So I think things like that are very important. And for using myself as an example, I realized that I like futuristic stuff. I like mech. And then I just like how I could play with like having bionic parts on human beings and stuff like that. So immediately I realized, oh, this is something I want to do well. And then find a way to make the shapes of mech parts look more organic. So that then it kind of makes it more interesting as if like, it's just naturally a part of the human anatomy or a part of the human body. And so I just kept on doing that, doing that to the extent. And then together with colors, it just becomes more appealing. And it's like, oh, wow, we like a unique approach to how this guy handles mech. Um, interestingly enough, I think somewhere last year or two years ago, um, a, a major studio actually approached me. And that was actually the reason why they approached me. Because they were like, we've seen the way other studios do mech. And it's always on the realistic side. But then you have a way of playing with mech and not making it look so realistic not making it look like it was painted. So being playful about it actually ended up getting me that job. So yeah, I think, I think that's, the, that's another way to approach it. In terms of making a portfolio interesting, um, you kind of find one thing you're good at and sharpen it or find a niche in the industry and then try to fill that gap. And then I think that puts you in a pretty good position. I also think another thing is, I think, one thing I realized for a lot of artists when they are starting out, and I, I mean, I suffered these same problems as well because I didn't have anyone to guide me. So in a sense, my teacher was my best friend, um, Kofi Fosu, who I spoke of initially. I mean, we were in this together. So it was more like, oh, why don't you do this this way? Why don't you do that this way? And then basically just rubbing off of each other and the internet being our teacher. And through that, we continue to also refine our craft and kind of get a sense of, okay, this is what appeals. And also... It, from looking at what other people were doing, we realized that it didn't make sense if you were trying to land a job and say you wanted to be a character designer. One day you draw a dog, the next day it's a cat, the next day it's a robot, the next day it's a car. Your work is in a sense all over the place. So it's kind of difficult to, to kind of fit you somewhere. And then um, the downside of it is, I mean, I know the popular saying someone says to be a jack of all trades, but then the downside of that is you're a master of none. So then a studio approaches you and then they can't tell exactly what you're good at. So then that becomes a problem. So then I would always advise like artists coming up, like when you're starting out, try to focus on one main theme and let that kind of run throughout your work. Eventually when you get the point, when you get to the point where jobs are coming in all the time and you're well known for doing this really well, I think you can always pivot and play around with other concepts. So yeah, also being consistent with one theme and letting that just run throughout your work so that then studios say, okay, this is someone who is good at creating characters in this direction and then it's easier to, to hire you and basically you have a good looking portfolio what yeah. kind of practices have you have you found the most effective way to kind of improve your skills and kind of stay motivated as well um so i think the most recent one is using a lot of reference that's that's something that really is changing the quality of work i produce now using reference i think Unfortunately, in the industry, there's a stigma that makes it seem like if you use reference, you're kind of cheating. But then all the best artists actually use reference to make really, really good looking work. Like, because at the end of the day, whatever we create has to be based on reality to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So if you create something that people can connect to, then it becomes a problem for the audience. So yes, I would, one main thing is definitely use a lot of reference. 
And another thing I would mention is always go back to the fundamentals. I mean, I can't repeat that enough. Always go back to the fundamentals. Always think of um, whatever you design in the most basic shapes. So it's something that I constantly do, like go back to playing with silhouettes and trying to generate shapes out of the silhouettes, get an interesting shapes out of the silhouettes, stuff like that. So for me, it's always going back to the basics. That is what has always strengthened exactly what I'm trying to do. Most of the time, every time I'm finding it difficult to design a certain element, maybe it's a hand, maybe it's a leg, whatever parts of the body may be, or maybe some mech, I either use reference or I try to break it down into the simplest bits using circles, using cylinders, whatever it may be, just make it as simple as possible. And then pretty much works out and you get, and you get better over time. Yeah. I noticed on your art station, you've um, mm -hmm. done some tasks where you've maybe combined, uh, you've taken pictures from different places Mm -hmm, like a, mm -hmm. a trainer, a cartoon character, and yeah. you try to kind of create a new character mm -hmm. from it. I yeah. really like yeah. your uh, yeah. versions of characters there. Great yeah. humor. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's something that it was actually pretty random. Uh, I remember I was, on a, I was in a Discord group with a couple of friends, mm -hmm. and I wanted to design a character. And I think this is also one of the best um, ways to actually approach art block. So I wanted to design a character, but then I was like, hmm, I don't know what to create today. So I just told them, yo, guys, give me some interesting things you would want me to, to design or just throw some random things out there. And then they just gave me all these weird, weird references, Mr. Satan from Dragon Ball. Someone said Yeezys and, and stuff like that. And then I was just like, OK, how do I mash these things up together and then kind of make them look appealing? And as I said, I think that's one of the best ways to create very, very interesting characters. And I think. I've done a couple more. So then after doing that, I had other friends who wanted to also jump in and I was like, this should totally be some kind of challenge. I think it's definitely something I'd probably build on, maybe call it like a random reference challenge or something like that. And then, yeah, and, and just create just amazing, weird looking, funny characters off of that. But yeah, definitely fun. Yeah, definitely something that's very fun. If you started learning digital art now for the very first time, um, mm -hmm. is there anything you'd do differently than you've, you've done when you started out? Hmm. So interestingly enough, this is something I've been thinking about most of the day. And I was thinking, hmm, like, I actually appreciate my journey a lot. And I think, I don't think there's anything I would want to change because I think every element in my journey has led me to a point where I'm actually happy and content with exactly what I'm creating. Mm -hmm. Like even through the, should I say the tough times, mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything I would have wanted to do easier. Cause I, I, I think every single thing kind of has helped to basically make me the character designer that I am. So it's, it's kind of very difficult to change an element in there to see if what would it be like if maybe this was this way, but definitely if we decide to kind of like, and be hypothetical about it and say maybe I always wanted to go to art school so I think definitely if I if I'd gone to art school it would have definitely made a difference because um I think it would have helped me to also build more experience but then at the same time I've still kind of figured things out by not going to art school it made me hungrier mm. that's the thing to kind of want it and mm. and you know it, it put me in a position where it's like Yo, there are people going through art school and these people don't have a choice. They have to be disciplined because at the end of the day, there's a lot of money going into it mm -hmm. to make sure that they, there's actually like um, 
in a sense, they bear fruit from everything their parents invested into them going into art school. But for me, I didn't have that. So then it forces me to be disciplined because I want to be successful in my craft. And especially coming from a country where that's not popular, you're trying to make a statement and trying to let people know, no, your, your kid can actually go through this process and they can equally be as successful as I am. So then um, it puts me in the position where even though, in a sense, I'm being deprived of certain things, the fact that I can make it, then it means another person coming from Ghana as well can be the one having this conversation with Nick. Exactly. And it's not about, oh, I have to go through art school. I have to pass through like these rudimentary steps. So I think when I look at my journey, I think in itself, it tells a story. And that story kind of is one that motivates others. And that's, that's probably why I wouldn't want to change any aspect of it. And I'd probably do the same thing all over again if I had, if I had the chance, basically. Which books have you found uh, really useful for l- learning the fundamentals? Um, okay, so with regards to the fundamentals, uh, which we were talking about earlier, I would say two main books which were available online for free, luckily, and those would be George Bridgman's books and Andrew Loomis. Um, I think both have a different thing they offer. Um, Loomis's work being tighter in terms of the, the, the characters that he would create, even though it's more on the realistic side of things. And then I think Bridgman's work also being more loose, focusing more on forms. And I think you basically, in a sense, need both of them when it comes to the fundamentals and studying them, because line quality is something that's obviously necessary. And then you're looking at forms. And another thing about uh, Bridgman's work, which I like, is the fact that because his, his lines were loose in a sense, I think that just makes the work look more dynamic. And it just has a way of giving it uh, an energetic feel. And that's something that I've always gravitated towards. Um, seeing line work that's a bit loose, not necessarily very neat per se. Someone who does this very well, I would say, is um, an artist like Ramon Nunez. Mm-hmm. He, his lines are very, very rough sometimes, and then it just makes the work look more exciting when I see it. And it just appeals to me a lot more. Um, yeah, yeah. And then another artist, I would say, is also Hicham Habchi. Yes, that's okay. his name. I think popularly he goes by Pyro, Pyro Daily or something like that on Instagram. I can't remember it very well, but Hicham's work is also design work tends to be rough in a sense and that that's also something that I find very appealing and for me as an artist I've always had a habit of in a sense wanting to do things quickly um so once I can get that line work in and it has those dynamic features I'm not necessarily looking to get rid of a lot of those lines because in a sense they I feel like it contributes to my work so yeah, that's how those books have actually influenced my work in the long run as well. So yeah, definitely, I would advise beginners to check them out, even if you're someone who is still seasoned in the industry and kind of you're looking for a first take. I think if you want to go back to the fundamentals, those two are definitely books that I would recommend. What artists um, currently really inspire you and your work? There's quite a number of them, so I don't think I'll be able to get into all of them. <laughs> but definitely, to begin with, I would start with uh, my best friend, Kofio Fosu. He creates amazing character designs. Um, I th- the difference between both of us is uh, his work leans more towards realistic character designs, but then I'm more of bionic parts and things that are more extreme sometimes. But then he's an amazing character designer, so definitely I'd mention him first. Other artists include 
Ife Sinachi, Dean Harris, who is amazing with environments, Rocket Boy, popularly known as a yeah. Rocket Boy, who is Malcolm Katawopi, popularly known as Rocket Boy, I mean. But then, yeah, I mean, he is mind blowing as well. He balances animation together with character design. And he's one of the best to do it, honestly speaking. Um, we also have Taco, who is um, Terrence. Funny enough, I know a lot of these people by their Instagram names instead. So I'll just I'll just continue to run with that. But then, yeah, it would be easier to find them that way as well because I'm using their Instagram names. And then, yeah, there's Panda Exclamated as well. Um, Sigun Samson, um, another amazing artist as well. Um, Daniel Clark, amazing with environments, realistic. Um, other people, Phil Boot, Michael Wandy, Max Greg, which I mentioned before, even Mel, Iris Moody, Marseille Saki, Bobby Chu, Kay Asadera. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. I could keep going and going. I mean, even French from Discord as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that I realized. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, a lot of the time when artists are starting out, they seem to have this perception that inspiration needs to come from the top and the people working in the best studios and stuff like that. But for me, I realized that even people around me, people, just regular friends in Discord groups who are even now starting out, some who are working in studios, but then are junior artists or senior artists, uh, people like um, my friends like Prashan and um, Ruben. These are people who are in Discord groups, uh, Gabriel, um, Michael Reef, Angela. These are, I mean, regular people in Discord groups who are just friends of mine, but I look at their work and then it inspires me to want to do more and to be better. And, you know, just that positive energy just rubs off each other. Mm-hmm. So those are those are a few. Alex Negria, so many amazing artists. I mean, the number of artists in the world, ridiculous. So I, I can't definitely mention everyone. But then, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking, like, when you're learning, um, mm-hmm. maybe when you've learned the basic fundamentals and you're kind of yeah. trying to learn a bit of style, do you think it's mm-hmm. useful to, like, trace off um really good artist work to understand how they construct the shapes and things like that so personally i wouldn't advise people to trace as much mm-hmm. because what i realized with tracing is if you're tracing it doesn't give you room to actually think through how the artist is arriving at the process as opposed to observing it looking at it and realizing, okay, they pushed it with most of their character designs, the nose is in this direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, because when you trace, you just look at it directly and then it's right there. So then you're just looking off of it and just basically repeating what they've done. But then I think when you observe, it allows you to think about it more. And then, so for me, most of what I've learned is through observation, looking at how people pick colors, how they mix reds with purples and things like that, just by looking at the work and seeing it. And then I would always advise people that the first step of it, like for instance, is just like when you're doing master studies, you try to replicate exactly what the master did. So then once you replicate it, in a sense, you've copied it. But then I think the true test comes in you applying it to whatever you want to create personally as well. So then... Once you've observed it, you've been able to do the same thing. Now, how do you take the things that you learn from observing and then replicate it on your own character to the extent where we can tell the difference? So, for example, when I started and I was pushing out character designs, as I said, I learned from my experts' tutorials. So when I started, a lot of people could obviously tell, wow, like this looks a lot like my experts' work. I mean, I would get comments like that in my Instagram piece. And in a sense, yeah, there's a positive 
um, aspect of it because it means you're doing the right thing. But then the downside becomes, in a sense, you're in the person's shadow. So if a studio wanted to hire either one of you, obviously they'd pick the more authentic person because that person has the originality, whereas you're in a sense more of like just a shadow of the person or a copycat. So I started from that point, but then eventually I started to think more along the lines of how do I make this my own? You know, how do I push out of that? And there are different ways to go about it, which is, for instance, let's say if someone, if maybe your favorite artist likes to draw really, really long arms, maybe you can change it up by drawing your arms shorter. It might, it, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty silly example and I can't go into detail, but then it's like, those are just basic things that you can do. I think sometimes too, a lot of the time we overthink it, but then a lot of the approach is very, very simple. Like just look at it from the most simple, like the, a very simplistic view, if I should say, rather than overthinking and thinking of like, I remember, I think we worked on a tutorial not too long ago. And one of the things that I added in the tutorial was, always think big first and then you come down to the small little details mm -hmm. so just see the big thing as it is first and then analyze it appreciate it and then eventually you can get into detailing on all those things when and i think when you get to a place where you master the fundamentals for long enough you realize that when you look at something that's even detailed you can break it down into the simpler shapes and it's so easy to replicate it so you look at something that looks amazing let's say maybe you look at let's say Father Christmas as a character. I mean, one of the biggest shapes you can see is that round, very round shape. Mm. So that's like the basic way of approaching everything. In your art station, I love the character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you did Father Christmas as a hunter. Is that right? Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. That was a while back. I think <laughs> I should definitely revisit that. I thought that was yeah. a touch of genius, that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Really nice. That was, that was, that was. That's, it's actually something that I always liked, um, mm. which was to kind of... I've never liked the idea of following the status quo. So I've always thought something is this way. How do you put a spin on it to make it more interesting? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it could take you to darker places, but then, yeah, yeah but then it, it, it has a habit of creating very interesting work. I remember when I was a lot younger, um, I created this series where, for instance, typically in the Cartoon Network um, cartoon with the uh, uh, Coyote and I forgot what it's called. And then oh, the Roadrunner. Roadrunner, yeah, yeah. The roadrunner. Yeah, sure. Typically, the roadrunner always wins. So <laughs> I created this artwork. I mean, this was long, long ago. So my work, is it looks terrible. But then yeah, sure, sure. the idea behind it, I think the idea behind it was sold because I turned it around and this time the road, the, the coyote actually caught the roadrunner. And the roadrunner <laughs> is the one that's scared and afraid. So yeah. little things like that. And then I did the same thing with Dexter's Lab. Did the same thing with the Pop-Up Girls. Where this time Mojo Jojo actually has the upper hand and he's basically <laughs> defeated all the pop up girls. And that was a lot of fun. It was, it was very nice doing the twist on it. Is there any last kind of tips you would have for kind of aspiring character artists, 2D character artists that could maybe help them or motivate them in any way? Yeah, I think definitely. I think uh, there are quite a number that I would like to touch on. Um, the first thing being, it's always best to do this journey with someone. I think for me, what helped me be consistent was my best friend who basically, first of all, wrote me into the art industry to begin with. And then after that, we basically stuck together. And right now he's doing well. He's working with major studios. I'm working with major studios. So kind of like that, um, having someone in your corner, having someone you can depend on 
Mm. That definitely went a long way to help. And someone who is also very honest about the kind of work that you produce and would critique you. And then um, based on that point, I would like to say that you should also be willing to take constructive criticism, mm. um, regardless of whoever it's coming from, because um, everybody has a different way of seeing things. And at the end of the day, as an artist, I think as much as you're trying to express yourself, there's no point if what you're expressing cannot be understood. So then that becomes the very reason why it's important to take criticism regardless of whoever it's coming from. Because whatever content you produce is going to go to an audience and they're supposed to understand what you've created without you, in a sense, having to explain to them. So basically, say I worked on a character for a movie, I'm not going to go out of my way to explain to 7 billion people in the world, this is why I designed the character this way. So from the start, I should be able to communicate that when I create the character. So whatever criticism comes be it from just regular folk, be it from your art director, art teacher, whoever it may be, be willing to take it on. And then uh, popularly, as they would say, eat the meat and then spit out the bones, basically. So what you don't need, take it out. What you think benefits you, you keep it. Because using myself as an example, um, throughout uh, my journey, some people who would criticize my work would say, oh, we think you should go the more realistic route. But then I always knew that I liked being playful with my characters. And then I, I, I wanted them to look a certain way. So then that was advice that I felt like it wasn't bad advice, but then I felt like it didn't work for me. So then I didn't take it. But then other people would also advise, hey, check out this artist because they understand form, they understand shapes very well, and they create very, very appealing forms and shapes. So then definitely because I know that that fits my style, I would definitely run with that. And luckily enough, I think I'm definitely on the right path. So that's definitely a good thing. I think aside that too, I think um, as artists or for someone who is into, I think, well, there's like two dynamics to it. There's the person who is in art school who is starting out. And then there's a the person who is a freelancer. I think if someone is in art school, it's a lot easier because there's already that community. But then if you're freelancing, it's more difficult. So you also need to build up things like discipline. You need to build up a very, very solid work ethic. Um, try not to procrastinate because when you finally start landing jobs, all these things will matter. You being able to deliver on time, you meeting deadlines, all these things would really, really matter at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, those are just a few that I think I would like to touch on. Um, I don't know if you'd want to go in depth about a specific one, but then yeah, I think off the top of my head, those are those are a few I uh, I could think of that I focused on and went a long way to help me. And and yeah, and networking as well. Well, if you're into freelance, I think networking is actually very very key. Be open to interacting with people online. Through them, you could end up getting jobs, and then it goes a long way. Yeah. What kind of communities have you found most kind of useful uh, yourself? Um, so for me, I would say Discord. So the pandemic kind of had a silver lining in it. I mean, definitely it wasn't a good thing, but then I think it forced everybody online. And through that, it gave me the opportunity to interact with a lot more people, not from Ghana, outside Ghana. And that opened different doors. And I think also that allowed studios to also look at other parts of the world and realize that, oh, wow, there's actually talents from this part of the world and this part of the world. So Discord was definitely a platform that went a long way to help me. Instagram as well, because obviously it allowed me to post and share my work. 
So basically most of the basic social media apps. And then one that I started using recently, again, because of Kofi, who stumbled upon it. And then he's like, yo, you need to do this, which was LinkedIn. Um, I wasn't very active on LinkedIn before. And when I was in business school, it seemed like I had, I, I kind of had the funny perception that LinkedIn just went with business. So then you would think that people who went on LinkedIn were more business oriented than people who wanted to be managers and stuff like that. But then recently I discovered like a lot of studios and stuff actually use LinkedIn as well. And then a lot of the, should I say higher ups in some of these studios actually spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So luckily I found myself in positions where a number of them would actually contact me and say, wow, we love the work that we're creating. We'd love to work with you in the future and things along those lines. So I think LinkedIn is also another platform I discovered that I realized it's actually very, very important to, to anyone's career path. And I think they should definitely look at it and actually put up work on there because definitely it could go a long way as well. I wanted to say a big thank you for, for joining us today. I really appreciate all the advice you've given. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's mm -hmm. going to help a lot of artists out there. Definitely, definitely, Nick. I also appreciate you actually having me on. It's been splendid. It's been More splendid. than welcome. And it, yeah, and it's finally exciting actually getting to see you as well. Yeah, yeah. it's been so it's it, nice so to have worked okay. together and finally actually mm -hmm. speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely, okay. definitely. All right, thanks, Alfred. You're welcome. Thank you too. Subscribe for more tips on how to create a winning game art portfolio.